Three Strands is growing, and our ministries are doing big things for Jesus. If you're looking for a way to get plugged into what we're doing, visit us at threestrands.church. If you are just joining us, we are finishing up a series today called Balancing Act, and uh, we have been looking at stories in the Bible of how Jesus balanced um, two, the three words in our mission statement as a church, which says to create a culture of redemption where people are free to experience the truth and grace of Jesus Christ. And so that is kind of what this series has been based off of, real short, just three weeks, and we're going to finish it up today. But if you're just kind of joining us and missed the first two parts, uh, I want to invite you to go back and listen to those podcasts. But the first week we looked at a woman in the Bible, uh, just a broken-hearted sinner. And then last week we looked at a tortured loner. And then today we're going to finish this up looking at a materialistic seeker. And so we're glad you're here today. We're going to jump right in and uh, get started here learning about this guy uh, that you're probably all familiar with. If you've been raised in church at all, you probably uh, grew up singing this song that you learned in Sunday school about a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. Anybody know who I'm talking about? Okay, good. I thought you were talking about Dave Decker. I was like, no, it's Zacchaeus, okay? So anyway, um, but isn't it amazing how young we are, especially in this country, um, that, that we develop a love for like stuff, you know, uh, material possessions. I mean, you don't have to be around a, a small group of children very long before we hear phrases like, that's mine, give it back, right? You hear that all the time with little kids, you know. Uh, we, we love it. And it's not just kids who fight and argue over stuff. We see it often, don't we, with adults, um, especially at times like when a parent dies uh, without a will and then Adult kids end up fighting over their stuff, you know, who's going to get what. And I'm very thankful for my siblings that we didn't do that, but I see it often. Um, we live in a culture where we have modeled for our children this unquenchable thirst for stuff. And today we're going to look at a guy who has been in acquisition mode or had been in acquisition mode for a long, long time. He, uh, he collected stuff, all right. You know what he collected? Other people's stuff. Okay, that's what he did. He was a tax collector. And the story we're going to look at in Luke 19 today um, takes place in Jericho, which was an elite city. And Zacchaeus was one of the wealthiest people in this entire town. Um, and so what we want to do is just take a look into this well-known story to see how Jesus balanced truth and grace in the life of this rich man who society had just kind of rejected and, and thrown aside. And so I just hope this message will serve as a reminder to us all that when you and I get caught up in uh, maybe a similar materialistic mindset and uh, we begin chasing stuff, you know, kind of like Zacchaeus did. So the first thing I want to do is look at this. Let's begin by taking a look at Jesus's request of Zacchaeus. What did he request? So he makes this request in Luke 19 in the first two verses. So if you want to follow along on the screen, the verses will be up there. Or open your Bible app or your hard copy. We'll jump right in. Verse 1, Luke 19, says this. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. Well, there was a man there named Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector in the region. And he had become very, very rich. And so the first thing we noticed was that, Jesus, or that Zacchaeus was a tax collector. Not a glamorous job, but it was a lucrative job. Um, he wasn't just 
any tax collector, the Bible says, but he was the what? Chief tax collector. And so in Jesus' day, tax collectors were viewed as traitors. Um, Palestine was controlled by the Roman Empire, and so the Romans hired Jews who were greedy and willing to put up with you know, the disrespect of the public to collect taxes. And the Roman tax superiors, they demanded a certain cut of the taxes you know, that they would collect, but then they allowed these tax collectors to charge whatever they wanted all right, for the rest. And so anything above that Roman cut, they could just pocket and keep for themselves. You know, so if the Roman government needed two bucks, I could charge 10 and keep the other eight for myself. It's kind of how it worked. And the people knew this, you know, and so uh, tax collectors had a horrible, horrible reputation back in this day. I mean, think about it. There were no newspapers. There was no Internet, no radio, no TV or no way of making a public announcement. So everyone could hear about this thievery going on. Um, the people really had no idea how much they were even supposed to pay. And so. Of all those living in Palestine, tax collectors were the most despised, most hated group of people. And you know what? Just the name Zacchaeus is, is rather interesting. It was a Jewish name, and guess what it meant? It meant righteous. That's crazy. That, that sounds like an oxymoron, you know? He was a dishonest tax collector, but whenever people said the name Zacchaeus, they were calling him righteous, and he was the exact opposite of righteous. It, it would kind of be like, I don't know, like calling me fit or calling Dave short-winded or something like that. It just doesn't fit, you know, it just doesn't make sense, but that's kind of what, what happened. And um, the second thing I want you to notice is this. Zacchaeus was also wealthy. I mean, he probably, you know, he probably wore his shoes were probably B.H. PCs, you know, Beverly Hills Polo Club shoes. Is I bet what Zacchaeus wore. Does anybody have a pair of those? BH PC. Just, just the pastor. See, we're paying him good. He's got them on. All right, good. So that's probably what Zacchaeus wore as well. Beverly Hills Polo. <laughs> I just made it up this morning because he walked in. I said, "Those hey dudes." He's like, no, I don't know what they are. And I was like, "What are they?" And I pulled his jeans. They were BHPCs. He said, I don't know where I got them, but they were 10 bucks. So I was just having fun with them. But that's probably what Zacchaeus wore. Now, Zacchaeus had padded his own pockets with other people's money. That's what he had done. But listen, remember, the scriptures don't teach that money is necessarily bad or evil, right? In fact, we learn that there are so many good things that God can do with the resources that he entrusts to you and I. The Bible says that it's the love of money that's the root of all evil. And so there are many rich people who turn to Jesus for salvation later on in life, aren't there? And I think the reason may be that they have tried everything else that money can buy and they have found at the end they still feel very empty on the inside. Third thing we notice from the story is Zacchaeus was short. He was short. Look at verse 3. It says he tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. Okay? Too short. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, there are people here in this church who are vertically challenged. Okay? My, my college roommate, who was about five foot five inches, always said that he would have to marry a 10 foot woman just to have an average size kid. Okay? And so there's nothing wrong with that. But, and, and there are actually, I guess, some advantages of being short, you know? 
Uh, You're the last person to know when it's raining, the first person to know when there's a flood. So it's not a bad thing necessarily, okay? Those of you who are short. So Zacchaeus was short. If there were a movie made about Zacchaeus, we'd probably want to ask like, like Danny DeVito to play the role, I would imagine, back in his prime, you know? That's what I think about when I read this story, somebody that kind of looked like that. But maybe people made jokes about his physical limitations and, and that motivated him to become a tax collector later on in life to kind of get even with them, you know? But God, but God used that job to change his heart and help, help him to recognize that, hey, there's more to life than just stuff, Zacchaeus. A fourth thing we notice is that Zacchaeus was determined. Look at verse 4. It says, and so he ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road for Jesus was going to pass that way. You know, Zacchaeus wasn't happy or fulfilled. There was something that was missing. That's very obvious from this story. I mean, why else would he go to such extremes? He ran ahead because he was searching for something. And he must have felt that Jesus could give him whatever that something was that he needed. He was on a mission. And, you know, the crowd most likely, uh, they didn't separate for him and just let him run through there, you know. Jesus was famous, very popular. And rather than giving Zacchaeus a good view, they probably blocked his path or, or maybe made it difficult for him because he was a despised member of the community. It wasn't like they were just, come on up, you know. So instead of fight the crowd, he decides to climb up in a tree so he could see Jesus when he passed by. Fifth observation is this. Zacchaeus was lonely. He was lonely. You ever heard that phrase, it's lonely at the top? Many people who are successful in the world's eyes feel just like that. They begin to wonder, are these people really my friends? Or do they just hang out with me because I have money or I have influence? I'd, I'd say with Zach, Zacchaeus, it, it may have been a little different because he didn't earn his money, honestly. You know, other uh, than the other tax collectors, I would venture to say that he didn't have any friends. Maybe just other tax collectors and that's it. And you know, most of us don't like to hang out with people who have stabbed us in the back, do we? Or people who have taken more from us than what they deserved. There is a loneliness that comes with that. Howard Hughes was at one time the wealthiest man in the world. But in 1976, he died friendless and lonely. Several years ago, Madeline Murray O'Hare was a popular atheist. She had written diaries that were sold at an auction. And after her death in 1995, uh, she had been missing for several years and had over a quarter million dollars in taxes and debts that she uh, never paid before leaving. And at least six times throughout her diaries that were auctioned off, uh, she wrote the same phrase repeatedly. And here's what she wrote. Somebody, somewhere, love me. Somebody, somewhere, love me. Well, you know, maybe Zacchaeus had that same loneliness and hunger within him. Look at verses 5 and 6. This is Jesus' request in verse 5, starting in verse 5. It says, When Jesus came by, 
He looked up at Zacchaeus and listen, he called him by name. That would flip me out if I was Zacchaeus. How do you know my name, right? He said, uh, Zacchaeus, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. And Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and he took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. Have you ever had a famous person in your home before? Anybody? Me neither. Um, But I do have a brother-in-law who knows the head football coach at Penn State University. And he gave me his phone number a couple years because he told me he was going to take a job at my favorite college football program, but uh, he didn't end up landing that job. It never happened, so I've never spoken to him. But, but let's say, just play along with me, okay? Let's say that the Penn State head football coach was down here recruiting in Kentucky, and I got his number. So I call him up and I say, listen, our pastor and his dad, they are huge Penn State fans, huge And I just want to know, would you want to come visit our church and and eat lunch with them afterwards? And let's say he says, yeah, I have a little, I'll come, I'll come down. But Dave, he doesn't get very impressed with famous people. And so he says, nah, I don't really want to do that. And I talked to Merle and Merle says, nah, I've got my afternoon nap, you know, and, and I just can't, I don't think I can fit that into my schedule. Right. And plus, after that sermon Dave just preached, I need a nap. Right. Just kidding. They might act like that, but listen, deep down, would they really say no? No way, right? They would be like, let's do it. Let's do it. Can't wait. I'll cut my sermon down an hour to meet with him. I'll skip my afternoon nap. We're going to hang out with James Franklin today, right? Well, that's similar to the, the setting of this story. But remember, Nobody gave Zacchaeus the time of day except for this one person who everybody had come out to see. Jesus. Jesus always felt right at home, listen, with both the rich and the poor. Ever notice that when you read through the Scriptures? He spent time with social outcasts and the wealthy. People like Nicodemus, Joseph of Arimathea, and Zacchaeus, just to name a few of of the wealthy ones. Jesus knew when people were truly, truly seeking after him. You know, sometimes we make assumptions about people, don't we? We just assume things. Well, guess what? Jesus didn't. He didn't do that. We say, well, she's rich, so she's got everything she needs. Really? Or he's a party animal. He's having the time of his life. I mean, what kind of friend would I be to him? Come on. Yet many of those people that we make assumptions about, listen, are just like Zacchaeus. They eventually discover that the things of this world just don't satisfy. And like Zacchaeus, they're ready to change once they're introduced to Jesus. We have to introduce them to Jesus. I don't know, maybe you're sitting this morning and you feel like your marriage isn't what it should be. You see the problem, but you don't see the solutions. Or or maybe you have a bunch of stuff. You've accumulated a bunch of stuff, but you're still empty on the inside. I don't know, maybe things are going great for you right now, but you realize that's not always going to be the case. Maybe on the surface and on social media, everybody thinks you've got it all together. But on the inside, they don't know how much you really, really struggle. 
Maybe you've been bitter at God for a long time now because of a death in your family or a diagnosis. I want to encourage you this morning to trust in Jesus and trust that He is at work in your life even though you may not be seeing it right now. And if you will seek Him, just like Zacchaeus did, He can change your life for the better. He can. So, what happens here? Jesus invites Zacchaeus to lunch at, at his place, at Zach's house. And so, um, I want you to notice, though, the reaction of the crowd when he does that. Look at verse, uh, verses 6 and 7. Read verse 6 again. It says, Zacchaeus quickly calmed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. In verse 7, look at the reaction here of the crowd. But the people were excited, right? No, but the people were displeased. He's gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. You know, you know, you read through the Bible and people would often begin to grumble around Jesus because of the way that he interacted with notorious sinners. Right? With those, uh, the self-righteous crowd did not feel deserved his attention. You know, there's a fine line between being in the world and of the world. We're not of this world, but we are called to live in the world. And you know, we want to make certain to fulfill Jesus's mission to seek and save lost people. But at the same time, we don't want to tarnish our witness by the things that we do with them, right? First Corinthians eight, Paul talks about our freedom in Jesus but he warns against following that freedom to ruin our witness to unbelievers or, or to new Christians by becoming a stumbling block. One of our roles is to spend time and build relationships with unbelievers. Listen, a light doesn't do much good if it's hidden underneath a bowl. And yes, we are called out to be, to be a separate people, to be a holy people, the Bible says. But if we are not building relationships with unbelievers, then how in the world can we really influence them to follow Jesus? Jesus associated with sinners, but please hear me. He never participated in their actions. All right? Yeah, he associated with them, but he didn't do what they were doing. And remember this, when we think that, you know, we can go and hang out with all that and not partake, you know, all that. Listen, Jesus was perfect. He was God with skin on. He's a lot stronger than you and I as far as um, temptation goes. But if we put ourselves in questionable settings time after time and circumstances, guys, we may, without knowing it, walk right into the trap that Satan himself has set for us. Ever thought about that? Look at Galatians 6.1. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. Don't miss the last part of this verse. And be careful not to what? Not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Zacchaeus' story should motivate our church to always be on the watch for those who are hungry for, for the peace that only God can give. 
And for any of you who've been uh, just visiting, kind of checking this place out lately, we want you to know this, this truly is a place where we want to teach you the truth about love and grace. We want you to join us in seeking, just like Zacchaeus did, who Jesus is and getting to know him better. Pastor and author uh, Bruce Larson writes this. He says, ever wonder what happened when Jesus went to uh, this man's house for an impromptu luncheon? Do you think that when you're in the presence of God, he sits and asks you, how you doing? Tell me about your life. Do your children respect you? How did you make your money? Are you content? Talk to me. You know, he said, we don't know what was said in their lunchtime conversation, but I do have a feeling that when you sit in the presence of unconditional love, which is what Jesus is, he makes you the agenda. Jesus was always putting the focus on other people rather than on himself. Third thing is this. I want us to look at Zacchaeus' response in verse 8. How did he respond? Verse 8 says, Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and he said this, I will give half my wealth to the poor, and if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Guys, there is an immediate change that takes place in him. Here is a man whose lifestyle for years communicated, it's all about me. And now he's changed to, it's all about Jesus and other people now. That's incredible. I mean, guys, that's one of the indicators that you have changed. You go from selfishness to selflessness, sometimes overnight, like Zacchaeus did. I heard about a country farmer and who he and his family visited a large city for the very first time. And they were just amazed at everything they saw. And they were driving through downtown and they got lost. And so the father said, Mama, you stay here. And he left his wife in the car and he took his son inside this huge, massive hotel. He'd never been in a hotel before. And he just stared around and all of a sudden he saw two shiny silver doors that kept opening and closing. And the son said, what's that, Papa? He said, I have no idea. I have never seen anything like that before. And about that time, an elderly lady came to the elevator and went inside. And the silver doors shut again. And about a minute later, they were standing there just staring at it. And uh, the doors opened up and this attractive 24-year-old blonde woman came walking out. And the farmer looked at his son. He said, boy, go get your mama. That was funny. I don't care who you are right there. That was funny. Listen, now that's an amazing transformation, right? Just like that. But in reality, spiritually speaking, listen, that's about as quick as this change takes place in the life of this tax collector. He had spent his entire life just cheating people. And now, all of a sudden, just like that, he says, I'm going to give half my possessions to the poor. You know what? If I have cheated anybody of anything, I'm going to pay them back four times the amount. Guys, that was much more than the Old Testament required. Now, why? Why did he do that? You remember back a chapter earlier in Luke 18 when the rich young ruler came to Jesus 
And Jesus told him he needed to sell everything and give the money to the poor. Remember that? Do you know that's the only person in the Bible that Jesus ever said that to? Because he knew what stood in the way of the rich young ruler totally surrendering his life to Jesus. But Jesus didn't ask Zacchaeus to give anything. But he did anyway. Why? Because when we come to grips with our sin, a change occurs. Sometimes it takes a little longer in some people. Other times it's instantaneous like Zacchaeus. Look at Romans 12 too. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you, change you into a new person. By how? Changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know what God's will for you is, right? Which is good. It's pleasing and perfect. Many of you in the room have experienced this change. A change in your priorities and your guilt has been replaced by confident joy and assurance of your salvation all because of Jesus, right? And that's wonderful. I heard about an email that was sent to the finance officer of Pizza Hut at their headquarters. It was from an employee, a pizza delivery boy in North Carolina, and he, he said this. He said, my reason for writing today is to make you aware of a common practice among delivery drivers to clip coupons and attach them to delivery tickets in order to return more money into their pockets at the end of the night. He said, all the drivers at stores where I worked were involved in this. In my best and fairest estimate, I calculated that I made approximately 500 to 700 more dollars than I should have due to my fraudulent use of coupons during the time that I was employed. But as a Christian, he wrote, I know that's not the way that we're called to live. And when I asked Jesus into my life a year and a half ago, I began to ask him to just reveal areas in my life and my past that I needed to change or to make right. And he said, this was one area that I just felt really convicted about. And I would ask that you'd accept that check, this check that I've enclosed, that I may uh, clear my debt as well as my conscience. And inside, he included a check for $700. You know, when Zacchaeus spent time with Jesus, there were three natural responses. There was restitution, generosity, and honesty. Restitution, generosity, and honesty. He cleared his debt and his conscience and began a new life with Jesus. And Jesus gave him love and grace and truth. And if you've truly received the love and forgiveness that only Jesus can give you, you will want to move from selfishness to generosity, from fear to faith, from apathy, not even caring about people, to loving them. The last area I want you to notice is this from the story. I want you to notice the result of their encounter. What happened? Look at verse 9. So Jesus responded, Salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. And I want you to notice what Jesus doesn't say. He doesn't say, hey, Zach, I'm glad you, you straightened up your act before seeking after me and got your act together first. Well, you know what? Why don't you just keep that money? No, you just keep it. Don't worry about repaying it or, or 
Zacchaeus, you come on, you don't have to pay back four times the amount. I mean, just pay back what you owe, right? He doesn't say any of that, right? Wonder why? Because although grace meant that he was forgiven, truth demanded that his change show itself through a life of love, of honesty, of grace and truth. Jesus said that salvation had come to that house today. But I want you to notice that repentance was involved in salvation. He didn't just accept Jesus as his Savior, but also his Lord, his boss. I'm going to follow you, Jesus. I'm going to do what you say. I'm not just going to walk a church aisle and then go live the same way. I'm not going to pray a prayer and just go live the same way. There's a change that occurs. You know, many people think that repentance means just to feel sorry, but it's not. We prove repentance through our actions. We change directions. We show that, that we are a new person because of what Jesus has done for us. And Zacchaeus may have wrestled with the question that many of us wrestle with. Do I possess things or do things possess me? In Luke 19.10, Jesus shares with us his mission statement. And if this is Jesus' mission statement, this needs to be ours as well, both personally and as a church. Let's look at it. He says, for the Son of Man, why did he come? Came to seek and to save those who are lost. Guys, if you've ever wondered what your mission statement to be should be now that you're a Christian, there it is. And I want us to notice something crucial in this passage, and, and this just blew me away this week, just thinking about this, kind of studying through this, is this. Did you notice in the passage that there are two seekers? My whole life I've read this story, and I just thought about one. Zacchaeus is doing the seeking, right? No? There's two. There are two seekers. Zacchaeus takes on the crowd in order to pursue Jesus, right? That's one. But Jesus also leaves the crowd in order to pursue Zacchaeus. There are two seekers. He sought Zacchaeus out. That's, that's amazing. And you know, the truth is, when we've been changed by the truth of Jesus and His amazing grace has covered over all the crud in our lives, we don't reach out to people out of duty anymore, but we reach out to them out of devotion. We don't share our faith with people so that we can get a star by our name in heaven. We do it because we want our friends to experience the same peace that comes from knowing that Jesus provides everything that you and I will ever need. Jesus' love compels us, the Bible says, to share the message of grace and truth with other people so that their lives can have purpose and meaning and they can have peace just like we have. Listen, Zacchaeus could have bought anything he wanted. I mean, he, he had money. He could have bought anything he wanted. But he found that what he needed didn't have a price tag. It was free. It was free for the asking. And that was the grace of God. The band sang about it just a little while ago. And guys, listen, even though it was free, it wasn't cheap. It cost a man his life. And he's offering that same gift to you this morning if you've never accepted it. You know, little has changed 
over the last 2,000 years, Jesus still extends his open arms to the dishonest businessman, to the curious skeptic, to the the nine-year-old girl who's just beginning her journey with him. And when we come in humility and we come in repentance to Jesus, listen, he will change us from the inside out. And so I pray today, I pray for those of you here, for those that are listening to the podcast later on this week, that you would just place your trust in the one who offers us what we need, truth, and then he gives us what we want, grace. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you'll find me. So can I just ask you a question as we close this morning? Are you looking for Jesus wholeheartedly? Are you seeking after him with all of your heart? Because listen, whether you realize it or not, he's seeking after you. He's chasing after you. So if you've never humbled yourself and swallowed your pride and just asked Jesus, the the only one who can save you, from your sins to do just that. I pray today, just like Zacchaeus, salvation would come to your house today. Let's pray. Father God, there's just so many of us who uh, we, don't even, we don't even grasp that you would be chasing after us. Maybe we're running and don't even know it. But God, I pray today that would end. I pray we would stop turn around, look you square in the face and say, God, I'm yours. I want to follow you with my whole heart. I'm done playing games. I don't want to play church anymore. I just want you. I want a relationship with you. I want your truth and grace in my life. God, would you just flood this place with that message this morning? And God, help us to learn from the story this morning to to chase after you. That if we have to climb to the top of a tree, whatever it is, just to gaze upon you, then let us do it. Thank you for Jesus. In his name that we pray.